All right. Welcome to episode eight of our marriage podcast that we are calling Be Loved. And if you've tracked along through the first seven episodes, you know it's not my voice that you're normally hearing at the beginning of this. I'm Brandon Clark, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Cutie. Hello. And uh, in this episode, we are both the hosts and kind of the guests here simply because of the subject matter. And our daughter, who is the normal host for this, would just rather not have to ask these questions and be involved in this. So we are self-hosting on this and we have been tracking through looking at what it looks like to to be loved to genuinely receive love and and in the aspect of our relationship with God but certainly in this area of marriage and in this we have been going through different subject matter and we are in the big five we are in the big five the big five these big five topics that you've got to have agreement in if you're going to be able to do this thing called marriage and this long walk of till death do us part and you have to be in agreement on money on family philosophy kids god and today's subject sex that's right yay so exciting so some of y'all jumped forward all the way. You scrolled through. You saw that this was said, let's talk about sex. And you've skipped to this one. If you did, pause it. Go back and do the other ones. You can't just jump forward to the sex episode. You got to have the foundation. And speaking of foundation, let's look at the beginning. Because guess what, folks? God came up with this thing called sex. It was his idea. It's not some naughty little thing that humanity or the enemy came up with. This is God's idea. So let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. It says, And then God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. I love it that God was the first father to bring the first bride to the first groom. It happens right here. And then the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame at all. They were naked and felt no shame. Yay, her. It is. Hey, there was nobody to be compared to. True that. She had never seen some degrading commercial that made her feel less than, that she had to fix something about herself. One of the things that I think is interesting is that this talks about a man leaving his father and mother and is united to his wife. And of course, Moses is the one who writes Genesis. He's The Holy Spirit's revealed all of this, and Moses is the one that pens this. But I think it's important here. Um, Adam didn't leave a mother. Um, he was pr- created by his father, God. But this here in the very beginning from it's for us to understand that there's this place where we've got to be united together. Of course, we've talked about agreement over and over again. And that in this, um, for us to be fully revealed before one another, um, the shame factor cannot be involved and it really be uh, what it needs to be. Intimacy and shame are completely at odds with one another. 
And so we need to understand that from the area of, of revealing our, our sensitive issues in the area of finance, the sensitive issues in the area of our family, all the other issues, um, this place of shame, it can't find its way in. And certainly, certainly, certainly in this area of sex, um, that they would be able to um, be around one another in a very natural, uh, uncovered, intimate way and have no shame. But guess what? Um, that did not stay that way. There in Genesis 3, we have, of course, we know the story of the serpent uh, um, entices um, Eve they go ahead and they eat of the tree that God said, don't eat of it. And the day that you eat of it, you will um, you will surely die. It is the tree, not of the, called the tree of death, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve lived in just the knowledge of good. They just experienced good, nothing but good from God. But then when they ate of that, then they had a knowledge of evil as well. It says, and then in Genesis 3 verse 7, says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord, Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So first they just wanted to cover themselves and they didn't want to be as intimate with each other and cover themselves. And they wanted to hide from God. Their minds in that moment were flooded with the improper use of the naked human form. Even in our culture, we recognize that, you know what, a husband and wife from a Christian perspective if they're together and they're naked, it's a good thing. It's married naked time, and it is a good thing. God created it, and there's no shame in it, and it should be embraced. However, anytime there's an awareness of the improper use of the naked human form, that's where we begin to want to cover up. And so in that, we have to deal with... Um, uh, what's happened in our own minds, what's happened in possibly our past, and be able to leave that behind to experience this thing of sex the way God intended for a man and a wife to be able to experience this. And so they were there in the in the garden and were leaning into each other's presence. They were together hidden in the trees. Um, and they were fine with each other's presence, but they didn't want to be in God's presence. And so many times, a lot of times we don't think about that um, God being in a place of blessing our sexual expression as a couple. That somehow that's something that is not, not blessed of God, but it's just not true. It's, it's not true in any shape, form, or fashion. In fact, the scriptures actually encourage plenty of sex inside of marriage. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, Paul writes, and he says, The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the, the wife to her husband. And this is talking about sex. It's not the marital duty to carry out the trash. 
It's not the marital duty to pay the bills. It's the marital duty. The have sex with your wife. Have sex with your husband. That's what Paul is saying. It says the wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. And before you wives get all upset, scriptures don't stop there. It says in the same way the husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. And so that is one of the beautiful things and the vulnerable things of a biblical marriage is um, your body doesn't belong to you anymore. It now belongs to the other one. And we should never take advantage of that. We should never use that scripture. In fact, uh, in the God episode, um, you know, Cutie talked about never using God and the scriptures as this place of leverage. This passage of scripture, if you're having to quote this um, for, for the for you know your spouse to kind of thaw out in the bedroom, um, there's something else wrong. There's some sort of place of you need to dial into, is there a place of lack of agreement in the area of family philosophy? Is there a lack of agreement with the finances? Is there a lack of agreement? Because tension in those other areas will shut down the, the romance in the bedroom. So this should never be a, a club that's used. What it is, is it's a reminder to us that our body doesn't belong to us, which guess what? Then that means, um, obviously, you know, nobody else has access to it. It belongs to that other person. And so you don't have the right to hand it out to any place else in any shape, form, or fashion, not in, not physically and not mentally. And then in verse 5, it says, Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent. That would be by agreement. Yep, if, yep. If we're not, if a couple is not going to, to have sex on purpose, then it says one person can't decide, hey, for spiritual reasons, I've decided to fast sex. Um, sorry, buddy. Um, sorry, honey. Um, you know, we're, we're not going to be doing this for a little while because I'm going to be spending that time in prayer and reading the scriptures. Uh, it says you can't pull that card. You can't do that unless you're both in agreement. And then guess what? says for a short time, for just a little bit. Um, and it says, and only so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Um, it says, then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And so we look at this in this context. Um, married couples shouldn't just be having uh, just a little bit of sex. It ought to be a wonderful, regular um, awesome part of life. And a lot of people, um, especially if they're new to this Christian life, they don't know that that's what the scriptures say. They think God is a, is a prude and he's creeped out by sex. And somehow that is owned by somehow the, the, the enemy. Um, the enemy has just perverted it so that he's tried to make it his territory, but it certainly isn't. I think that because it is addressed numerous times, not just once in the Bible, but numerous times, that that should clue us all in that it is important. It's um, it's also going to be an area that there does need to be some clarification on and uh, that there needs to be, I guess, maybe put some 
attention towards it that you both are in of the same mind and of the same, you know, I guess for, cause it's our word in agreement on what this area of your life is going to look like. You know, it talks about that the husband shall fulfill the duties of that he has to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband that needs to be seen, but it also needs to be understood that both people respect and understand where the boundaries of course. are set. You need to set the boundaries yourself. And, and, you know, I just, I again think that so many times because like Pastor Brenna said, that this can be, you know, seen as the enemy's area. And yes, he can turn it into something that it is so not meant to be that the only way to keep it a healthy and viable part of your life, of your marriage, is that you're up front and you communicate on what you feel like it should look like or how it should be. I just think that, you know, you do this as you do anything else. What are we having for dinner? Um, you know, just those things that it's it shouldn't be difficult and it shouldn't make one person feel a certain way other than comfortable and um, not ashamed. For sure. And, and taking the shame out of it, which taking the shame out of it is what helps us be able to have clear, um, clear communication. And, um, you know, and if at any point, if one person begins in the, in the married relationship begins to make the other person feel uncomfortable, um, that needs to be communicated because it's supposed to be an expression of love and we cannot just like in the area of finances, um, one person dominating it becomes selfish and obviously it's selfish in the area of family philosophy. One person dominating it is selfish in any of those things. This expression can also become very quickly selfish as well. And this is not about somebody uh, finding all the scriptures to be able to get their own needs met. It's how do we come together in a life-giving, beautiful way that God intended to be able to have this God-created expression. Sex dates back to pre-fall. It dates back to the garden. And it can be and should be a wonderful expression of unity and togetherness and to be able to make sure both are experiencing that they've got to be able to have a clear communication. And the truth is, is um, almost always, every time I sit down and have these kind of conversations in marriage counseling and whatnot, one person in the marriage has an engine that revs a little higher than the other one. Um, Very rarely are the couples exactly synchronized in this area that all of a sudden that man, they're just, they just click and everything's together. Sometimes it is, and then sometimes it isn't. And so you've got to be able to have clear um, communication and talk about it. And if this is one of those awkward conversations, and 
you know, Cutie has said, you know, guess what? If this is awkward for you, you're not the only person it's awkward for. Some people can talk about it without any issues at all. Other people, because of personal experience or wounds or all sorts of different things, um, that they have a hard time discussing these things. Um, just have the conversation. Um, just have it and be able to express your desires and needs and concerns and lovingly lovingly care for your spouse. It should always be a, a topic that you should be able to talk about and um, be comfortable with the fact of that it's it's just part of being married and it's it's and I'm not saying that in a you know it doesn't mean much it means a lot and you should be able to within yourself be able to allow yourself to open up to have the communication to have the talks to to um be open to the person you're married to it's you're married to them you're not it's not anything small marriage is a huge thing and being able to be open and vulnerable to them and be able to talk about even this subject matter is a big deal it's a big deal and you need to be able to be clear and you need to be able to be um, heard but you also need to be able to at some point come into some agreement on what it's going to be for the both of you for sure for sure and that's where the that's where the life is also for just to make sure everybody is on the same page as we look at the scriptures um that god created this and we look at the garden and god created sex he created for it to be in in a couple that god placed together we call that when we embrace that god put another person in our life that we enter into a marriage covenant and so this is for the marriage covenant between a man and a woman uh that is where God blessed sex exists. This isn't for dating couples. Um, this isn't for anybody else. That is where the life exists. And if you are trying to find sexual fulfillment outside of God's way, it will end up in pain and heartache every time. It just will. Um, and so we need to make sure that that point is clarified in this. And so some of our final thoughts on this one of the false ideas um that especially people who have a relationship with god um have is they feel like that simply putting a ring on it and getting married is all of a sudden going to fix the sexual issues well that doesn't fix anything it doesn't um, it doesn't and so if you're having lust problems um and and things are out of balance guess what you get married it's still going to be there it is. It's not going to change. You're like, well, I can finally find some sort of expression of these desires inside of it. No, if you're not putting boundaries on your brain, on your thoughts, um, before you're, and, and put, bringing them into submission to God's best um, before you get married, guess what? That same problem is going to be there. And so we need to make sure and recognize that it's honoring God that brings life. It's not simply placing a ring on it. That is a step towards having a relationship where life-giving sex can exist. But we have to 
invite God into the way we think. We have to invite God into our desires. We have to invite God and his ways into onto all of those fronts. And that's where being able to have the wonderful, amazing sex God created us to have exists. And he did create us to have wonderful, amazing sex. And so with that, then that is going to, that's supposed to be the final thoughts. God created us, wonderful, amazing sex. He did. He did. Thank you. Should be both of you. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Thank you for joining us. And if you have any questions, email us at celebrate at celebrationchurchlive.com. Thank you.